back at base today on Late Lunch. Welcome to the show. Big thank you again to Peter Dooley and his team, all the teachers and the pupils at Balapusta National School. We had such a wonderful day there yesterday and thank you again to everybody. So memorable, so enjoyable and the very best of luck to you with your wonderful new school there. You're at Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Wednesday afternoon and uh, we begin... I suppose this sums it up for Lorraine Cunningham. No bridge, troubled waters. Yes, Lorraine is a key member of the Blaney Blades Women's Group in Castle Blaney at the Aintas Centre there. And she commutes every day from just outside Duluth, where she lives, using the Obelisk Bridge to make her way up to Castle Blaney. And she joins me on the line. Afternoon, Lorraine. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thanks very much for having me on. I appreciate it. Not at all. How many years are you using the bridge that's now closed? 15 years, Jerry. I'm going into my 16th here in Casablanca. So, your alternative now really is to pay a toll at the toll bridge. Did you ever sit down and try and figure out how much that would have cost you over 15 years if you had to pay that? I did, Jerry, and I've done it. I've recounted it here numerous of times to people who continuously use the toll. For me, over the last 15 years, I would have paid Celtic Roll Tolls €15,000. Wow, that's a lot of money, Lorraine, that you saved. Yes, yeah, huge amount of money, Jerry. And I suppose in the, in, in the last week or so now, as we all are aware, that the diesel has increased. Mm. So for my costings, just to come to work now with the road toll now, over €20 Euro, and an extra €25 Euro for diesel equates to €45 Euro extra every week to just come to work. That is a lot of money. Now, the Obelisk Bridge was a very handy way for you to make your way and avoid the toll. It is closed uh, for almost a year at this stage. Um, You know the way these jobs go, perhaps it'll go a little longer. You do understand, Lorraine, why it's been closed. Absolutely, Jerry. And I mean, I've worked in the community in and around Drogheda, Dulic and Furderfield for over 30 years and I've done loads of voluntary work. I'm well aware of these important structures that need to be kept up to date um, in the world we live in. But at the same time, the inconvenience that it's causing to the town, in my, in my general knowledge here now, in my um, research that I've done, not one councillor or TD in our local area, was aware of the impact that this would have had on ordinary working people, taxpayers, who are keeping the community alive. And it's very, very frustrating that none of them did a piece of research into this. So so you're saying that you don't believe they got it. What would the knock-on would be, as you're seeing now and others, with uh, traffic being pushed onto other roads and severe delays there? Do you honestly think they didn't think about that, Lorraine? Honestly, um, I spoke to one councillor and they just realised the impact of paying the toll a couple of times a day is having on them. Um, it just doesn't seem to be any awareness in the need that this bridge um, had on the town. I came, I drove from Monaghan um, a couple of days last week. I actually, to be honest with you, Jerry, I refused to pay the toll on principle. Mm. But it took me 15 minutes to come uh, from Monaghan, which it normally does, and 40 minutes then to come from Exit 10 over to you guys there at, at Mullen. So that's a long day. After doing your day's work, that's a lot of travelling and a lot of extra time, which it would have took me 10 minutes yeah. from exit 10 home. 
that is another factor that people do not consider. So what you did was you came on off on the north side of Drada, but then you had to make your way virtually through the old M1, through the town, over that bridge that's always jammed with yeah. traffic anyway, and up. So you're saying that's putting an extra, at least an extra half hour onto your journey. Absolutely. I mean, the other morning and I wrote into Paul McGuire there, um, he was sitting in for Chris there on the morning show, and I said to him, it's like living in the siege of Drogheda here, it's Cromwell back, because the town is totally under siege, it's crippling under the traffic, and nobody, and I've been on to Loud County Council, Joan Martin, but no reply in relation to um, a couple of days last week, there was nobody even working over on the site there at the Old Bridge, at the Obbitz Bridge. So they're saying 10 months, it'll take 10 years if nobody's going to turn up for work for work on this project. <laughs> Lorraine, maybe you went there when they're on their tea break or having their lunch or something. <laughs> well, maybe. Let's, let's, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Oh, I can't believe that. Like, if you shut a key artery like that, you've got to be working on it from day one and on it, on it, on it all the time to try and uh, get the job done. But look, at, I, I hear what you're saying. Another, another frustration. What's the solution? Like, is the solution, uh, as has been talked about, we're great for talking, but it's a bit of action we need here. Is the solution to uh, allow the toll be used free gratis for people who can prove, like yourself, that they've, you know, need this to help them uh, in their journeys? Is that, is that the solution? Uh, absolutely, Jerry. If that bridge if that toll barrier was lifted at six in the morning maybe till nine or half nine and let the schools and the free flow of traffic who people who are working and paying their taxes mm. to keep this country on its feet um, was acknowledged and recognized and the same then in the evening time let us go about our business let us get to and from work the town is crippling if you come off uh, from tully esker hill the other morning right through into rose um rosemount roundabout there the whole way down by wogan's People sitting there for a half an hour, 40 minutes. Mm. Seriously, Jerry, it's it's the, the, all our elected representatives in that town need to sit up and take a big look at what's happening in their town. Is it too late? Has the horse bolted? Have they sort of, can I say this, got away with it? Uh, you know, it, it's the bridge is closed. Uh, there's been no concession on the tolls. Do you feel, still feel there's an opportunity and to do something and something must be done? Is that it? Yeah, I went, I met um, a couple of people there. We had um, asked for somebody to come and help us um, do a short demonstration at the bridge to acknowledge and recognise the, the tolls. Nine people turned up, which was uh, obviously wasn't advertised properly, and we will look at that uh, coming together maybe at a better, uh, a later time. Mm. But I think the one factor in my research that I've learned this week, and I think this is very, very worrying for the for the government and also for our um, sitting councillors that nobody nobody is allowed to see the contract between Celtic tolls and the government unless you're in power mm. now how worrying I've, I, I asked could that be seen under freedom of information and I was informed no okay. how worrying is that that public money is being spent and we can't see what we're spending or how much we're giving to these people mm. I think you're not unreasonable in your call there, to be honest with you. I think that would be a fine gesture, that for a couple of hours in the morning and a couple of hours in the evening, if the barriers were up and allow, you know, the the main bulk of traffic to pass and then close them and continue with the tolls. So that wouldn't be 
you know what I mean, too much to ask. Where, you know, I have to say, the toll roads are coining it. And, and that's a fact. It's quite obvious when nobody's allowed to see what, how much money is being paid to these people, how much they're in receipt of, Jerry. Mm. It's a very scary factor that nobody can see this under freedom of information. Mm. And the other thing, too, when you're exiting at the door there to go into the town because you can't use the Oblitz Bridge, the queue to get off at the toll bridge can some evenings go from the toll bridge there at the door the whole way down to the bus station. Mm. Yeah. So it's that, crippling the town. Yeah. I'm not messing when I say the town is under siege. Mm. No, uh, look, I've uh, experienced it myself. and uh, Just an interesting one. Rick Cronje, who does our regular wine feature on the show, uh, normally comes in, uh, he comes from Dundalk to draw to the show here. And last week he almost missed a slot of us here because of the traffic. And he was asking me why. And it was quite simple. The traffic has been pushed onto the road. He normally comes from where it used to travel as well. So it brought it home to me. I told, I told Rick, you may use the toll in the future. Um, how do you... How do you, you know, rattle the cage, Lauda? Like, you're with me today. You wanted this opportunity to make an appeal. How do you feel you can, you know, make something happen, Lorraine? Well, I suppose the big, the big awareness for me, Jerry, was that none of our elected representatives were aware of the impact. None, very few of them, only one of them, and I don't want to name anybody now because people say, oh... You're putting somebody up there. Only one person took the, took the trouble to make a call and find out if it was actually Mead County Council or Loud County Council that was uh, doing the works on the bridge. Mm. Nobody was aware of who was actually doing the works. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, That's the, scary, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, if you're affected by the, by the closure of the Obelisk Bridge, you can give us a shout on the show, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. We'd love to hear from you if you have a view. If you're the toll roads people, you want to say something, if you're uh, in uh, the local authority or whatever, or anyone connected with this, if you have have something to say, you're, you're welcome to come on and, and, and express your view. You can hear Lorraine Cunningham's uh, frustration, and I'm sure that reflects the frustration of so many motorists. Our own Pat O'Shaughnessy was on to say that the Minister for Transport and uh, Eamon Ryan uh, are really adding more carbon into the air by sending the likes of you, Lorraine, and other people on longer commutes. That's a decent point as well. You know what I mean? When we're talking about the environment, and, uh, you know, emissions from cars, the commute being longer, there's more going into the atmosphere for sure. 100% and more diesel, but I refuse to pay the toll, Jerry. We pay enough in tax and running costs on your car, diesel, tax insurance, NCT, everything else. I refuse to pay that toll, mm. point blankly. I'll sit in the traffic, but the one thing that I am uh, very aware of is people's frustration and anger and not letting people in and out now anywhere into town because everybody's going into the yellow boxes it's causing more hassle and more mm. frustration for people mm. I am I've, I'm acutely aware of what's happening there as well and hopefully no road rage will take place but it's it's very difficult for people just getting A to B yeah, I've witnessed it myself. I, 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 I can't, and no one can deny what you say, the way uh, it has really increased volumes on routes previously that flowed reasonably smoothly. And uh, 
how how this is resolved, I don't know. But I come back to the point you make. I think it would be a nice gesture for a couple of hours either side to do that. And people would know then that they, it would be free and that they wouldn't be paying and they could get on with their business then for the rest of the day. Lorraine, we leave it there for today. I thank you for joining me and making uh, your case. And I wish you, you well. And uh, make sure, I know you will, have LMFM switched on when you're in that car spending another half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, drive time and then everything else that comes after that. <laughs> thanks, stuff, Lorraine. Gary. And thank, thank you. you. Take care. Bye-bye. Not at all. Bye-bye. That's Lorraine Cunningham there. Wonderful community worker in this neck of the woods with Blaney Blades Women's Group at the Inter Centre in Castle Blaney with a much longer commute on our hands either way and on principle will not pay the toll. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text is our contact number as always on the show. We love to hear from you. Thanks for your comments to the show. Uh, Jerry. I don't agree. What about all the other road users? Why should it be lifted for some and not the others? Well, the logic behind it is that it's lifted at peak times when the traffic is at its uh, most dense in around commute to work school times on either side of the day. That's all really. I see a bit of logic to it. Perhaps you don't. Uh, Jerry. why doesn't Lorraine go to Blaney via Slane? Uh, I commute from Castle Blaney to Platten every week for 18 years in a van and use the Denor toll bridge every day, says Porrick. So, well, right, you're in Platten from Blaney and back. I understand that as well. And good on you, uh, yeah, Porrick. You, you obviously can well afford it and good luck to you if you can for some people you know it's a, a lot of money as you heard there with Lorraine and a lot on her as well but look I understand you use it and you're happy to pay it and good luck to you with that one there but for others it, it is a, a, a tight call money wise uh, Louise do you know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about uh, on Galon or on Yathra would, would you have an idea no what I'm saying. The Irish word. I'll tell you what it is. It's the Irish word for a daddy long legs. Gallon or gather one or the other. Have you seen many Why daddy... Why isn't yaddy in there then? <laughs> That's an Irish word for daddy. Daddy. And what's the Irish for leg? Cuss is a foot, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> long cusses a yaddy. <laughs> daddy cuss long. <laughs> and will you stop questioning the Irish vernacular for the love of God? It's a gallon for today's purposes. Have you seen many daddies about I have. I saw one today hanging on to, to my car. Well, I've seen two in my house recently. One the other day, I let him out the window and another one appeared today. Big daddy long legs. It is the season for daddies at the moment, June to September. And I noticed a few outdoors as well. There's a lot of them about. You had a theory about the daddy long legs, hadn't you? I did. I only found out the other day. I was delighted with myself, delighted with life. And my my child said, do you know that daddy long legs are the most poisonous spider on earth? They have very poisonous venom and the person that I was with goes yes yes seemingly they tested the venom and it's stronger than um, a black widow spider well let me tell you first of all they don't bite that's the first thing okay so you're safe enough and it's an urban myth actually that the daddy long legs are venomous Uh, no way yes because they can't bite number one but the venomous rumour is likely to have been due to its confusion with certain species of spiders okay how can you confuse the daddy long legs? Well, I'm telling, I don't know how. What other one that looks like a daddy long legs is really venomous? No, but they're saying that other spiders with long legs are venomous spiders, mm. and you're right there. But I can confirm, I can confirm from the. Uh, they, they can kill the, the black widow. Am I right in saying that? 
I didn't get into that much detail, but mm. according to Encyclopedia Britannica and all the knowledgeable people, they say that actually it's not. So don't worry about them. Do you know that Danny's daddies, you know, with their long legs? All kids think that. No, well, you've children. Just, you've just wrecked all children. Children, children, love your kids. daddy. Love your daddies. And their long legs, yes, do love them, and and let them release them <laughs> if you see them, and don't. They, do you know what? Do you know where they come from? In the ground, they're leather jackets. Did you ever hear of a leather jacket? Never. A grub. That's what they are. A leather jacket in the ground. They're a grub, and they're harmful. Gardeners hate them. Farmers don't like them as well. They're oh. the, they're the larvae of the grub of the, of the of the uh, daddy oh, long legs, right. and then they appear. And did you know this, Miss Louise Walsh? Mm. The lifespan of a male daddy long legs is only one year. Oh. But, but, but... they Did di- the female ones nag them? Let me death. tell you, they die after they mate, okay? okay. Uh, the women live up to three years. Dead, right. The they've, women they've had enough with the fella for one year. They need another extra couple of years to themselves. <laughs> no, they don't. They kill another two in the, the next couple better. of years. <laughs> and they get away with it. I told you, it's a woman's world. It and is a woman's know, world. And do you know... Here's one for you. Go on. The song by Boney M, Daddy Cool... Yeah. Is about Daddy Longlegs. Is it? No, I haven't played it. <laughs> <laughs> but it'd be great if it was, wouldn't it? <laughs> You'd never look at a Daddy Longlegs again without humming that song. You got me there. You got <laughs> me there. Well done to you. One nil, Louise, on that one. Anyway, the Daddy Longlegs abounds. They're great for uh, trout as well. You can dap them. You can put a couple of Daddy Longlegs on a hook and let them blow out in a blow line on a dap rod out in front of the boat and the trout go mad for them. Oh, they're great. Oh. They're great. Uh, a great bait for trout as well. Anyway, I shouldn't be talking about impaling the poor creatures. Let's uh, have a listen to a song that features Daddy Longlegs in it. After two, we're heading to the Knoll and Nicky Kyle and into the garden. But in the meantime, it's Christy Moore with a song I absolutely love. Hit it there, Louise. Yes. Do you remember this one going back? Even the I start do remember of it. it yet. Oh, this, listen to it. Isn't the start magical here? Just listen to the music. It's a real autumn type of song, isn't it? Yes. The season of mellow fruitfulness and daddy long legs everywhere. Only living for a year. <laughs> for the men. I know this took some believing. I met a group of creatures with the strangest looking features. A poor old dog and a worm and a weed and a final pigeon. Yes, indeed. A daddy long legs jumped up sprightly and danced to the weed and the thicker and lighter around we go. Heel to the toe, then the daddy long legs jumped up sprightly and danced to the weed and the thicker and Yes, I'm back in the Knoll with Nikki Kyle and it is early September and the weather is absolutely glorious. And as we sit out here today, I can tell you the bird life here is incredible around us. It's just unbelievable. The berries are on the trees. Blackberries are well out. It's an oasis here. But anyway, she's ready to go. She wants to talk to us about what's happening in the garden. What about this spell of weather? Oh, isn't it fantastic, Cherry? The only thing is it's terribly hard on plants because the plants have been very used to the last six weeks or so. It's just been grey and we've had low cloud here because we're quite near the coast. You know, and the plants enjoy a fair amount of humidity. But then today, it's like somebody turned on a blowtorch, you know, and it's going to be like that for the next week. So it's going to be quite difficult. You know, if you've got seedlings and young plants outside, all of this lot here wilted today. And I thought, oh my God, you know, they're gone. But no, they're fine this afternoon. You know, it's just that they can't take that intense heat and I mean we can't either after not being used to it 
you know, it, it, this is the thing now with climate change. The seasons aren't going to be so defined. It's going to be erratic. This is going to happen. So we've got to learn to cope with it. Um, and one of the things is actually coping with looking after our seedlings. Um, you know, I mean, even normally in, in autumn, sort of years ago, I used to be running in and out, sort of shading things and putting things in and putting things out again and looking after things. But it's actually much worse now. We've got to really take care of them and keep some um, frost protection, keep some windbreak. Up here, we're very windy. Um, you know just look after them and, and don't assume they'll be okay because they won't if you just leave them alone and keep them well watered you know there's lots of seedlings here and you know everything here is is sort of moving on gradually you know it's not a show garden it's a garden that produces food so all the time there's something being picked there's something coming out there's something else going in that's going to be ready in in eight or six or eight weeks or so and I'm trying to keep um, mostly salads and stuff here and herbs that I need quickly you know um, rather than sort of going out and digging a whole row of something which I can't do at the moment anyway but uh, th- these have been a, a, an absolute joy these um, raised beds you know the the, the organic um, peat-free grow bags have been a huge success and you can refresh them with, with a bit of worm compost um, and just a little bit of um, magnesium limestone uh, to keep the pH up which is very important if it's too acid vegetables don't like it and everything is just really looking very happy it it really is I can confirm that myself and just reminding you again in case you're joining us for the first time but if you're a regular you'll know it Nikki she's growing outdoors this year she's using those peat free compost grow bags containers anything she can grow in and it's been an unmitigated success this year now let's talk about what people can sow at this time of the year what can we still uh, get in in terms of seeds Oh gosh, there's loads. I mean, we were just talking about early carrots. You can put a couple of rows of like early nonce or um, uh, Chantonnay uh, carrots in the other little round um, the market, you know, Paris market carrots. Um, you can also sow, uh, you know, these will go on through the winter. Um, you can sow um, oriental greens, oriental leaves, all kinds. There's, there's a huge variety out there now. Loose leaf lettuce, which is great because you can start picking it the minute it's big enough rather than waiting for a head and then picking the whole thing and it's gone. Uh, lamb's lettuce, claytonia, all of those kind of things. But there's actually a huge list on my blog on the What to Sow page, and that is up now. Uh, it, the blog looks a bit funny because it's temporary at the moment. I want to work out how to do an, a nice, you know, simple blog in future. Um, and, and get the design right. So the stuff is there. It just looks a bit strange at the moment. Um, but you can also root watercress. We've got some here rooted um, from just these. These are from plants that I had myself. But you can root these in two to three days from salad bags. A lot of the salad bags you see in supermarkets have a mix of leaves uh, with watercress in. And you'll see the little roots growing. Put them in a jar of water and in two to three days you can plant them and keep them in a nice moist shady place um, and put them in a greenhouse or a tunnel over winter or your porch and it's incredibly productive it's a great winter salad and very nutritious good housekeeping is very important now in polytunnels and greenhouses clear up any brown leaves any diseased looking things anything that's dead because that just harbors slugs and pests and diseases and get rid of those things keep everything really tidy i'm not a tidy person naturally but i do try to tidy plants (laughs) order garlic actually now for planting soon it'll go very quickly i've noticed this year things like that are going much faster 
um, because a lot more people are growing their own. Now, Fruit Hill Farm have a fantastic range of garlic. You know, they've got everything from strong to mild. I can't understand why anyone buys mild garlic, just use less of it. You know, it's so good for you. But anyway, garden centres and DIY stores have it too. But I would sooner have uh, an organic, um, start off with an organic one, and Fruit Hill Farm sell organic. Do you um, recommend any particular type of garlic? Well, I love Morado. It's it's a purple, um, has a ter- purple tinge to the skin. It's good and strong. And I mean, if some, if a recipe says to me one clove of garlic, I mean, four go in automatically. <laughs> because we just love it here. I think we've become immune to tasting it or something. But yeah, I always put tons in anyway. Now, as we sit here and talk, I want to talk about what's on the table here beside us. First of all, what about the tomatoes here? And this is a great time to save seed. Now, don't try to save seed from F1 hybrids because F1 hybrids are a cross, a specific cross between two known parents. It, that it's done under greenhouse conditions, isolated from anything else, so there's no chance of pollen crossing anywhere else. You know, you can't reproduce those. If you sow seed of them, and another thing, you know, a lot of people have been asking me about that, and you know, saying. My tomatoes aren't ripe. I say, well, what were they? Oh, we don't know. We got them in the supermarket and we saved seed. But it's a disaster because most of those are actually um, bred in the first place for growing under glasshouse conditions, possibly in southern Europe. Uh, and you'll get a whole load of mongrels. You could sow a thousand of those seeds and every single one will be different. And they could all be mongrels and all useless and not tasty, like the, like the tomatoes you bought. So buy an open pollinated variety. Now, there's lots of good... Uh, op- oh, I discovered another wonderful one. Uh, actually, this year, Mads McKeever down at Brown Envelope Seeds has one called Naked Honey Man. And I had to grow it just for the name apart from anything else. But my God, it's sumptuous. It is gorgeous. I must give you a seed of that, Jerry. You'll love it. Um, it's actually as good, if not better, than John Bear. It's a little bit more tricky. It's a bit more like a... Um, it, it came from France originally. Uh, one of her friends from France got it. And I think that there's this famous guy in France who does all his gardening and, um, you know, farming naked, basically. And he keeps bees, which must be interesting. But however... <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he grows these tomatoes and she got the tomatoes from him, I think. It is absolutely gorgeous. A really, it's a sort of a beefsteak, uh, a kind of a marmond, kind of a pantano type, you know, um, but really lush and soft. But it's it's a bush, and it's not easy to grow in our Irish weather. But I'm going, I'm determined. I sowed it late this year because I, I sowed a lot of my tomatoes late because I wasn't sure what was happening. Um, but it is well worth growing. So Naked Honey Man is a really good one, and I, it would thrive in a really warm glasshouse in a dry atmosphere. A poly- tunnel near the sea up here maybe not quite so happy but it's still produced a lot we're going to have a tomato salad tonight with that and it's gorgeous <laughs> what a story of the naked honeyman so you have muscatka yeah. here and yes. you have it split in two and it, you're just going to take the seeds yeah. from it this is the one that was growing here i got quite a good crop off them actually but not not what i would expect but all i do now you know a lot of people talk about saving tomato seeds and they talk a load of rubbish basically you don't need to go to all this faff of putting them in a in a jar and fermenting them and letting they get all smelly and nasty and produce grey mould. All you need to do is get a very ripe tomato, squeeze it out onto kitchen paper or paper kitchen towel like that. You know, put the name on it, which I'm very actually often guilty of not doing, um, and just squeeze the seeds out. That's it. That's it. On tissue paper. Very ripe. Onto tissue paper. Make sure you've got the name on it first. Fold it over. 
leave it somewhere to dry and that's it that's all you do and you know the John Bear we tried on the last program was 10 year old seed which I said saved exactly like this and it, it works perfectly it's, you know none of this nonsense of fermenting seeds and everything when I'm growing a plant I try to think what does it do in nature in its own environment well you know tomatoes grow in South America it's hot it's dry where they grow so when they get really really overripe they drop splat on the ground they split open the seed goes everywhere and it dries that's it. Simple as. Nature does what it yeah, does. They, they don't need a beaker to ferment it in or anything else. It just falls on the ground and it dries. So give it the same, you know, treatment. Yeah. Pop that in a bag over winter. Sow it in in March and you'll be so glad you did. Oh, they're great tomatoes. It'll save Matt's a lot cocking. of money. It, you know, yeah. really will save a lot of money. Finally today, you have a jar here with peas sprouting in it. And I see the little white sprouts coming out of the peas already. What's the idea in yeah, this? Yeah, well, this is actually another one of the salads which I forgot to mention was pea shoots. Pea shoots are a wonderful salad and you can keep cutting them. You know, and eventually if you, if there are a, a variety that produces pods, I mean, all peas will produce pods, uh, but if, if they only, you know, not all of them produce very tasty pods, but these are specifically ro- grown for lush, tasty, sweet shoots. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a lot of them. Uh, again, Fruit Hill Farm and a lot of the other seed companies have varieties there and they say they're specifically for sprouting. So what so, do you do with them? This is actually a sprouting jar because I eat a lot of sprouted seeds in the winter um, when I haven't got other fresh things. And I just rinse them for three or four days. You see that's got lots of air circulation. It's got a, a, a sort of a, um, a mesh end on it. And then just plant them um, in a, 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 a really poor compost, actually, is what they're like. They don't like a lot of nitrogen in compost. They won't um, germinate in there. But just put them into compost or on a tray um, a little bit of compost over the top and just keep them nice and moist and that's it you'll have pea shoots within a couple of weeks and just cut the shoots when they're small just cut the shoots leaving you know at a little leaf joint leave them grow again keep them going and they'll they'll give you two or three cuts of of pea shoots and it's lovely to just come out and pick a few shoots of this and a few shoots of that I hate a salad which is all of one thing I like about 20 different Mm. kinds of things in a salad you know And, and there's always so much to pick and every Everything when it's young is delicious in a salad. Absolutely. And doesn't she look well on it, Nikki Kyle? Anyway, <laughs> Nikki Kyle, gardening.com. Check out the blog. It is there. It is back up and running. And Nikki's working away on it. With an Indian summer in progress <laughs> in early September in the Knoll, where else could you be? Isn't it just marvellous? Until October, Nikki Kyle, thank you. You're very welcome, Jerry. It's lovely to see you. And it's a fabulous day, isn't it? It really is. Happy yeah. gardening, folks. Thank you for your comments. Hi, Jerry. I'm very much in the same boat as Lorraine. We're talking to Lorraine Cunningham, top of the show, about the impact of the Obelisk Bridge. I'm a healthcare worker, home support worker, and my journey is now longer. I would use this twice daily, seven days a week. It's crippling, to be honest, as working 12 days straight is an additional time for me going to work and returning home in the evenings. It's absolutely under siege, the town, as Lorraine said. Um, It really is putting restrictions on the movements of people like myself, public health 
health nurses, healthcare assistants, home support workers were all feeling the effects of the longer commutes, going to clients' homes and getting home later. Uh, something should be done, says Joanne, and she goes on to say, why did the authorities not have something in place for people like ourselves, uh, free toll or, or whatever? It is causing havoc. Thanks indeed, Joanne, for those uh, comments on the uh, bridge we were talking about a little bit earlier on. Another one there says, Drawed are looking for city status. The town is blooming well blocked with traffic, says uh, another listener to us there. Um, the guy who pays the toll coming from Blaney to Platten each day says, it saves me 40 minutes and saves the diesel. I get the fat back and claim the tolls as expenses on my yearly account. So the tolls for me are free. Well done to you. you ha- you're set up like that and well done to you for availing of it like that. Oh, Jerry, says another listener. You gave me such a laugh there about the daddy long legs. When I was a baby, and that wasn't today or yesterday, I used to eat the daddy long legs and my mother would try to rescue some of the legs from my mouth. I didn't think, or I don't think it did me any harm. Ask your listeners. Anyone got the same stories as Annette? Eating the daddy's Louise, eating the daddy long legs. Why would you rescue the legs? So what? <laughs> what would you do with the oh, legs? Well, sure, Annette had the body down the go- <laughs> down the hatch and the mother was only trying to grab the legs that were left. Sure, wasn't much use in that no. for sure. But we do know that insects have protein. We spoke about this on late lunch mm-hmm. before. Hexafly, I think, yes. and that, that wonderful company uh, that Alvin set up. Um, but another listener pointing out that they're not spiders, Louise. They're crane flies. And oh. that is true. They're crane flies. That's uh, what daddy long legs are of not that spiders. Yeah, of that genus. So okay. they are. So so they are slightly different for sure. Spiders don't fly. Do spiders fly? No, they crawl up webs. There you go. So they're not uh, oh, spiders. Oh no, do you know what they do? <laughs> they scutter along and women go, Wah! Yeah, I'm one of them women. Aren't you one of those? I am, yeah. Maggie Maguire's one of them as well. Mm. Oh, Maggie hates spiders. Loves Christmas and Christmas Hoover. trees. But I get spider. the Hoover. Oh, uh, no. Do. No, Louise. Mm. Don't do that. No. Just I do try and rescue them. but Trap them and let them out. Mm. Let them outside. I yeah. did see a lad. They're normally squished by the time uh, I get them outside. Oh, tell you one thing. The ISPCA <laughs> will be on in a moment and you and your Hoover and spiders. <laughs> otherwise you're in trouble after making that public on the airwaves. <laughs> I honestly saw a spider the other day. You know the way that you say that you see a big one? Well, in my garage the other day, I moved something that hadn't been moved in a few years. And I noticed a lot of webs around it. Well, if you saw what came out, <laughs> you'd have been gone, Louise. You'd, have, you'd never, you wouldn't be seen for Flynn. I'm not joking you. You'd have been gone with the size of the spider. Uh, but you'd the, have heard me in heaven. <laughs> for sure. But the daddy, the daddy is a lovely creature of this time of year. And, you know, I would mention about fishing. If you were out fishing, I remember this one day very well in Lock Lane. There was a guy cutting late silage. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. With, with a tractor and that. And all the daddies were blowing, getting away from the cotton, out onto the lake. You know what I mean? Onto the water surface. And the trout were going mad eating them. You know, they copped on that the daddies were there on the surface and were just filling their bellies with daddy <laughs> Clever trout. Very. very clever. You mightn't put it down as a clever creature, but a trout, they can be very intelligent at times. Not a daddy long legs, but I did get injured by a spider recently. Oh. Yeah. How? Yeah, a, few How? Cut, a few cuts and bruises. How? 
How? Tell us. Turned around in the shower and I saw this massive one. <laughs> I couldn't get out of the shower quick enough. So I fell out of the, I fell out of the shower, fell over the rim <laughs> and the rim cut my leg and then wall up on the ground and I had a, had a few black and blue bruises. <laughs> and, 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 and I had to scream for help. And how was the spider with the vision he saw? How was the spider? Was the spider all right? Uh, is there such a thing as spider counselling, I wonder? <laughs> Trauma for spiders. <laughs> Folks, <laughs> oh, you just envision that. Can you envisage that? Our Louise in the shower, and the next thing she sees, Mr. Spider Man. Oh my God. And, and you did. You, you scattered, did you? <laughs> I scattered on. I think the spider scattered faster. <laughs> he, got, he got a bigger <laughs> fright than you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, what do you like? What do you like? Anyway, you, Louise mentioned earlier on that, well, she caught me on the hop. She did. She said that, did you know that the Boney M song. <laughs> It's called <laughs> after the Daddy Long Legs. Well, with that in mind, have you got it, it there? It should be. We'll oh, make Daddy Long Legs cool, will yeah, we? We will. We're trying to on late okay. lunch today. They're lovely. They're lovely. Leave them alone. Look after them. Let them out. Take care of them. Here it is. Boney M and Daddy Cool for all Daddy Long Legs out there traipsing about at the minute. She's crazy like... Dr. Kate McCann is a lifestyle medicine physician and creator of the social media project MDoc Health. And I'm delighted to say she's a regular with us on Late Lunch. Kate, welcome back to the show. Hi, Jerry. Thank you for joining me again. Now, the children are back at school, as we know, but I see you've been talking about not the children, but those who care for the children back home or whatever, and the way the dynamic changes as children go back to school. Uh, let's talk about th- those for a moment o- on the show today and why you've been offering advice. Do you think it's important that people who look after children look after themselves? Absolutely. And I, I think it's one of those things that I hear a lot of from my patients. And it's and it's something I just started noticing over the years is that during the summer, I have a lot of patients who are parents saying, look, I'm going to put this all off till September. And the common thing they keep saying is when the kids are back in school, I'll do whatever it is. And, um, and some patients that is a health goal, some patients it's or either, you know, for parents, it's just a hobby or some part of their identity they want to get back, especially if it's very young children and it's their first year going to school. But um, I've been talking about that, that it's one of those times a year where I see a huge surge in in patients um, making health changes. Okay. So it is a sort of a defining time, a start, a new, a new year, as we heard actually the other day uh, from Sinead Burke, who, who does the column for us regularly as well. It, it is a time of change. So let's talk about a few things then. Eating for a start. Evening. Eating, eating, food. Oh, eating, yeah. So um, I think a lot of times they, the, the going back to school is a time when we're moving from the summer where things can be chaotic. It's getting into a routine. I think a lot of times people are either one end or the other. They seem to say, look, I I have a routine. We get in a routine. We stick to a routine, and that's the routine. And if it's a healthy routine, that's amazing. The other side, though, I commonly hear patients say, look, I'm just so busy. The house is so busy. It's all chaos. It's constant chaos. You know, it's it's grab food and run. Um, or crisis every night at five o'clock, what's for dinner? So I always talk to patients about about establishing a routine, trying to get in a routine, and it's not easy. But if they can get into a routine, you know, planning ahead, meal prepping, 
um, can be a, can can make a huge difference not only to you know the healthy eating but also the household stress levels. Mm. And and it, meal prep, getting into a routine there, sticking with it, perhaps batch cooking and preparing in advance when you can is obviously good as well. You've uh, spoken about that. What about the lunchbox? We another another guest of ours the other day was saying involve the children in their lunchboxes, and Louise and myself were laughing at that. A, a fine suggestion and great if we can make it work, uh, but not always practical. Not always practical. Um, the lunchbox drama is, is, is real. Um, you've got so many competing pressures. You've got the household food budget. You've got um, healthy food recommendations. Usually many schools recommend healthy lunch. I'm a doctor. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay, stay on that side of, yeah, healthy lunch is really important. I like to call it nutrition for cognition. Your child's going to function better in school if they've got a, a good healthy lunch. Um, but and then you've got the the food preferences, especially if you've got a picky or fussy eater, and then you also have um, peer pressure. Um, you know, the kid who's sensitive to the comment, um, "What's that in your lunchbox? What are you eating? That looks gross." You know, so there's so many forces that determine what goes in that lunchbox, and it can be a minefield. So being organized there, having uh, your lunchbox sorted as well as that for your children, their lunchboxes, etc., all helps with, you know, making things run much more smoothly. Parents, daddies, mammies, guardians or whatever uh, need to have social connections as well. That's important to develop those when they go back to school, isn't it? It is. Uh, We actually, a couple of months ago, you and I did a deep dive into this about how um, it, and as we become go into the kind of the parenting age and um, our social connections actually shrink and our social circles actually shrink. So um, keeping those social connections, making those social connections is very difficult. I think many, many books and articles have been written about the politics at the school gate, but finding a connection, um, keep making new connections, uh, making new friends with your the um, your children's friends parents and if it works it can be a, a really good for your health to have those new and expanding social connections now sleep is a bugbear you know during the summer it all goes astray they stay up later they can lie in later but by god they've got to be up in time they've got to get the requisite sleep as well you mentioned you know food for good cognition sleep is another important part of that how do you get them back just, and rein them in <laughs> It, it is essential. Um, and I think many studies have been done over the years um, in Ireland showing that uh, many school aged children simply do not get the recommended amount of sleep. And there's a there's a couple of, of things that are really important. One is the routine. And it's just really good sleep hygiene, no matter what age you are, is to have kind of a bedtime and stick to it. Um, have a wake time, stick to it. And to really make bedtime a thing in the house of, you know, the screens are off, everything's calm. Um, and I think um, uh, it's been cyber cybersecurity experts have actually been highlighting how we're very, very lax now about letting children take screens into the bedrooms at night. And for cybersecurity reasons, along with sleep reasons, that's one of the things in the house to really look at is, um, you know, where are those screens come bedtime? So you've got to put the foot down. Parents have got to parent. You can't just leave them willy-nilly with phones as they retire for the evening. Even if you get them up at the right time, as you said, and you expect they'll be up the next morning. There's no place really for screens when they're going to sleep, is there? 
No, and believe it or not, um, I have this conversation with my adult patients routinely who find themselves um, going to bed but scrolling through a phone for, you know, anywhere from 60, 60 to 90 minutes, um, which has really a, quite a, a negative effect on sleep for a, a lot of reasons. Um, but yeah, it's quite addictive, our screens. But um, generally speaking, when I'm telling patients to do this, um, I usually say this has to be a whole family. It's going to be successful. I've suggested things in families such as a Wi-Fi curfew, literally. The person with the most willpower just shut off the Wi-Fi at a certain time in the night, and it'll stop the worrying, clicking, and notifications um, from the various devices in the house overnight just you know kind of calm the place down a bit mm, it's well well worth doing so pick these items that you've talked about there doing radical change all at once is not on if you work on these gradually you'll, you'll get there i take it absolutely i mean i i it, we know that from loads and loads of studies that no matter how great the intention is no matter how great the motivation is when we try to change all of our routine all of our habits all at once it, it just doesn't work too much so generally i'd say look if you think that you're under a little pressure in the house that you know you know the kids aren't getting to sleep the, the you know the, the lunch box is just a morning panic every day dinner is a, in a panic you know at least three nights a week you don't know what's for dinner I would just pick one thing. Maybe it's just a lunchbox planner. Work on it for two weeks. Get into a groove with lunchbox planning. Then work on whether or not you want to extend the meal planning to dinner. And then as we get that into ground, then look at bedtimes. Take it stark slow. And because you're more likely when you put a habit in, kind of just slowly, gradually, one at a time, you're more likely that, it's going to, that you're going to be, you're going to stick with it over the coming months. And uh, all of those areas we cover there are certainly uh, significant and do impact on your children and on your own life as well. I want to pick on something, pick up on something that you've uh, been commenting on, and it is really interesting. You're right. When the when the child or teenager comes home from school, you ask them, you know, how's it been today? How is your new teacher or teachers? Uh, Did you do PE? All that type of stuff. But you want to talk and you have been talking about uh, toilet anxiety. Talk to me and talk to listeners about that for a moment. Yeah, it's it's really um, a well-documented phenomenon. There are many children who uh, have incredible anxiety about using the school toilets. Um, and it can be any number of reasons. Some of it is valid, like, for example, the lock may not work and they're they're worried about privacy or the lock may actually work too well. They're actually worried they're going to get stuck in it, especially very young children. Um, there's many reasons to be anxious about using school toilets. Um, some children, especially children who are, are more are more sensitive, that, you know, there's too much splashing, too much noise. It's a air hand dryer. Other children, um, especially um Girls, uh, you know, a uh, uh, puberty age, they're struggling. They're struggling with kind of privacy and hygiene, and so it, it can be a lot for for your child. So asking them if they're struggling with it is the first step, um, and then you know there are ways to approach it. And for very young children, something as simple as asking a teacher if you can take the child into the toilet, you know, either before school or after school, just let them open the door, go into the toilet, flush the toilet and with you and so that they're comfortable if they're actually too scared to go in. So it's a subject, I'd say, that's tetchy uh, enough or sensitive enough and asking children to open up about it may not be easy either. Um, 
do you just go straight in and, and ask the question, everything okay there? Or how do you spot if there's an issue? Yeah, that can be tricky. That depends on your relationship with your child. Um, some children will be um, quite open, especially, um, you know, it depends on developmental age. So um, five, six, seven-year-olds, um, anyone has a five, five or six-year-old boy out there, they know they love talking about poo and they have no problem talking about poo. So you're, you're probably good to ask there. You'll get more information than you wanted. Um, as children go into their teenage years, yeah, it may become more difficult. And, and, but I think, I think asking whether or not they're having a problem. And one of the things that we see, um, you know, from a medical point of view, is the constipation. So they're too scared to use a toilet and they're actually holding in, um, they're holding everything in to try and make it to get home. Um, and they can run into trouble with that. Mm. And if you have concerns around this, is it best to, you know, address this and, and go straight uh, to the issue and to the school and uh, have a look for yourself? Do schools mind doing that? It, it, it totally depends on the issue. You know, if it if it's really, you know, it depends on the issue, it depends on, on your child, it depends on the age. And I think um, I, I, the, one of the um, places I like to direct parents to is that the... Um, Eric, which is the bowel and the bladder and bowel charity based in the UK, they have an amazing website. I always call it my go-to for all things pee and woo, pee and poo. And they have a great um, guide about you know kind of things you should ask your child and even approaches um, to it. And they actually even have recommendations for schools on you know reducing toilet anxiety and making sure that this is something kids are comfortable with. Uh, very good advice there and, and uh, something that I'm sure resonates with uh, parents uh, listening to us today. It is an issue for quite a number of children. So basically the message today is get into the routine, affect the changes where they're needed there and life will be much more smooth for uh, parents and children alike. Yeah, and here's the thing. If you need help, you know, ask for help. If you're really struggling with some of these things, um, there are there are experts out there um, from sleep to um, pediatric dietitians and to your GP if you're having real trouble with with um, toilet anxiety. Um, there's there's experts out there. So if you're struggling, you know, ask for help. Are you walking soon? I always ask you this anyway, and I never know whether I'm 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 right to ask you or not. Your famous walks. Yeah, so walk with the doc. Yep, I have the autumn series um, set up. So we'll be, I'll be starting close to home in County Meath um, on the 24th of September. We'll be walking in Ashburn. So that'll um, so that's 24th September on Sunday morning um, here in Ashburn. Details uh, will be up on the social media site. In October, I'm uh, traveling to walk in Limerick. And in November, I am I've been invited to take the walk to Letterkenny. Oh, very so uh, I'll be walking in Donegal. You're spreading your wings for sure, Kate. Anyway, the one to remember is 24th of September. That's the closest one uh, happening yeah. in County Mead. All details on MDoc uh, on social media or mdoc.ie. That's E-M-D-O-C. It's a wonderful resource. Tap into it. Kate covers so many areas in relation to children and uh, family life. Thank you so much uh, for joining us once again on the show. 
You're very welcome. Take care, Jerry. Take care. That's Dr. Kate McCann there, uh, our GP on uh, Late Lunch. LMFM Radio's Late Lunch, which is till 3.30 each afternoon. Still to come on the show, we'll be talking to Matt Aaron, yeah, in a while, about the uh, the Indian summer we're experiencing at the moment. Looking forward to that. How long is it going to last? Please God, it lasts for weeks. Anyway, that's uh, to come along with our top five countdown continuing and more from you in a moment. Louise, despite the situation, somebody says, I can definitely relate to the spider situation. I've had many injuries myself. I feel sorry for Louise, although I laughed when I heard the story. The size of the spider compared to us, but we still fear them. Now, another listener says, I think Louise needs hypnosis when it comes to the spiders. What about that? I need a lot of things in life. (laughs) Um. <laughs> but hold on, let's deal with the spider issue first. We haven't got a week to talk here. Um, the, the the spider issue, hypnosis helped you to stop smoking. It did. Now, I just wonder, would hypnosis help with the fear of spiders? Um, would it go the opposite then? Would I like, you know, embrace all spiders and have them crawling all over me? I'd say you'd be eating them like that other message you got <laughs> earlier on. I'd be full of protein. <laughs> Spider woman. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the corollary of. I think I, I'd be afraid of something else then. Hmm. We mm. might try that down the road to see. Hypnosis on spiders. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I have, I have somebody who's been talking to me about uh, having a look at this with them on the show in October time. So that could be our first challenge with mm. you to see can we deal with the spider oh, it's issue. Like fear of heights. So yes. if I got over that, then I'd be able to climb a ladder up to them. And Listen, with me Hoover skyscraper. <laughs> Don't bring that. Get them Hoover. in the corners. Don't bring that Hoover near. God's creatures, please. <laughs> I actually, I've said this before. I'm just I, enveloping in them in I the warm gust of air. I love spiders. I really do. I have a great affection for spiders. And I've ever, and you see, you see, you see me upstairs in the office of Atten flies in. I always try to catch it yeah. and let it go. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I Well, I run out the door. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've put a thought in my head now about that. That that could be something. They we, are we getting bigger, in. though, spiders. No. They are. No, it's just your sight is changing as the years advance and they look bigger. No, they are getting bigger. <laughs> yes. They, they must be into the fast food, so are there something like that? They're like the know. human population. They, getting they have bigger. this big shadow now, if you see one. They have bigger oh, shadows. God help us, the poor little spider and the fear it evokes in big human <laughs> beings and the size of the little thing will you go out of that and leave them alone and live and let live anyway you're at late lunch LMFM radio heading to top of the hour news weather and sport on the way don't forget Med Aaron on the Indian summer coming after three and top five countdown but taking us there it's a classic from Bon Jovi we give spiders a bad name no we don't I love <laughs> I them do. I love them I love them <laughs> see really sad news there emerging in the last while. A very well-known uh, priest, Father Larry Carraher, well-known in the Northeast, uh, ministered all over the place. I was no use in draught of her time. Tully Allen especially has passed away and uh, he was president, I think, at the moment of G- the Glen Emmett's GAA Club out there. But I have to say, I, I knew him from as a very young boy. Got to know him and calling to the house at home and that. And he was 
a superb priest. He really was. He was a wonderful, wonderful man. And uh, I hope he rests now where he's gone uh, at this stage of his uh, human life. It coming to an end. Uh, Father Larry Carra, I'm sure there'll be many people who knew him and knew him well, has passed away. That news just uh, emerging. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Let's do the countdown. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... We're at number three in the uh, on the UK charts, 1994, this very week. And this song, well, three was the highest it went to in the UK charts. So it's top spot it made with us today at number three on this week back then. It was composed by Senegalese and Swedish singer-songwriters Yusu Endor and Nena Cherry. And it was a big hit across Europe and beyond, but only made it to three in... Uh, the UK and really barely charted in the top 100 in the USA but they absolutely loved it in France it was 14 weeks at number one there's no counting for the French is there anyway have a listen to it it's a familiar song it is seven seconds the number three in our top five countdown Nina Cherry, Yuson Dur, seven seconds, number three in our top five countdown from this week in 1994. And as I mentioned, there 14 weeks at number one in France. It was a huge, huge hit uh, there for sure. To see their. Uh, talking about reducing the speed limits on many of the secondary roads in Ireland to try and slow people down and there's more money going into the speeding vans as well. Something has to be done and they're looking, I suppose, at many other options as well. But uh, again, just saying it's down to you and me and everybody else to take the foot off the pedal a little bit. But um, watch this space because it's... uh, getting attention now with all those poor people who've lost their lives on the roads in recent times. The weather is a a real topic of conversation, isn't it, Ireland? We always say that. I greet people, a grand day, shocking day, it's too warm, it's too cold, it's too windy. It dominates conversation with Irish people. It does indeed. Anyway, Indian summer at the moment. How long is it going to go on for? Met Aaron should know. We're talking to them next. It's been often trotted out. When the schools go back, Jerry, the weather will settle down. How many times have I heard that over the years? Well, it seems to be true this year. After the awful July and August we had, we're in a lovely spell at the moment. But how long is it going to last? Aoife Keeley from Med Erin joins me. Afternoon, Aoife. Hiya, how are you doing? I'm really good. Aoife, come on, is it going to go on and on and on? Please tell us, brighten our day. <laughs> Look, at, we do definitely have a few warm days ahead of us now. And as you might have seen, we actually issued a high temperature, a yellow high temperature warning uh, for the entirety of Ireland. And that's from 8 a.m. on Thursday, so tomorrow until 8 a.m. Saturday. So as you can imagine, it is going to be very warm and humid over the next couple of days. Even into the weekend, it's going to be quite warm, just not quite as warm as uh, Thursday and Friday. Uh, Now, of course, like at the moment, there will be plenty of dry weather and sunshine around with that spell. But we are looking at the chance of a few thundery showers over the weekend. So even though largely a lot of the conditions are going to be um, quite nice and, and maybe the closest thing to 
summer that we've had in the last couple of months, it is going to bring just that little bit of potential of some heavy downpours at times, mostly from Friday onwards. Could we just ask them to avoid Louth and Meath where we are here in the northeast? And uh, good luck to everybody else. If only we could do that, Eva. wouldn't it be fantastic? <laughs> oh, if only. It would make things so much easier. <laughs> it would indeed. But, you know, September generally has a reputation for being decent in Ireland. Is that fair comment? Well, look, it can be. I mean, it's not the first time we would have gotten a nice spell in September. I mean, it's like you said yourself, sometimes when the kids go back to school and everything, you do see um, the odd kind of nice spell in the the early days of September. Um, so it's, it's not too unusual to see something like this. But the temperatures are definitely well above the average. So uh, like I said, with that high temperature warning out now over the next couple of days, the temperatures will actually be maybe four or five degrees above average for most of the country. So... It is very, very warm and again, very humid. So it's, it's going to feel quite uncomfortable, even though it does feel like, oh, maybe finally we're getting the bit of summer. But mm. people just need to be just aware of, of the, the risk of maybe that, that bit of heat, especially overnight when they're trying to get a bit of sleep. You issued your stats for uh, June, July, August in recent days as well. And it's interesting to look at those, you know, one month being dry enough, the other being the wettest July, I think, in in years and and years. Is this it now in an Irish weather context for the future, that the seasons are really not as defined as they might have been at one stage? Yeah, look, it it is... Yeah, very clear that it's changing now and we've, we definitely have seen that this summer um, you know with that like you said with the, the warmest June and, and with the wettest July as well and really the, the trends for Ireland are that we're going to see warmer summers but also wetter summers so that it sounds a bit counterintuitive but you know warm air car- does carry a lot of moisture so that's kind of the the trend we're moving towards now as we move into the, the coming decades uh, anyway. The evenings are coming back, of course. We see that. There's no doubt about that. But this is a real Brucey bonus. You know, the, the, say, the other saying as well, she'll shorten the winter. <laughs> One can dream. <laughs> now, come on, put your cards on the table. How far can you guys look ahead? I know you are quite limited. You can't. You, there's no such thing really as a long-term thing, is there? Well, look at... We kind of, you know, up to about 10 days, we can get a good idea of what's going to happen. But as always, um, as you move further out, the details just become so uncertain. Um, you know, the atmosphere and, and therefore the weather that we get, uh, you know, is quite chaotic and, and little changes can have a big uh, big impact down the line. So really, once you go past the 10-day mark, um, you know, the, the uncertainty is just too big to be certain of, of any details. But we can get a bit of a trend maybe for the, you know, general picture of a month or so in advance. Um, you know, and yeah, and you can find all that on our, our, on our website, you know, under the monthly forecast and all that type of thing. So, mm. um, but definitely for the detail, you're looking up to 10 days at most, really. I think you guys, you know, when I look at the TV, especially I'm looking at the screens in studio here, it's always easier to deliver a lovely forecast like this, isn't it? <laughs> the, it is. It, the makes, other. it makes things much easier. <laughs> Ah, yes, the weather dictates so much. But, you know, I I mentioned there before you came on, before the last break, we do talk, it's a dominant topic, isn't it, with Irish people, the weather? It is, definitely. And, I mean, it makes sense by the nature of us being on the very edge of the Atlantic. You know, we're kind of taking the brunt of a lot of the weather systems that come in from the west. So they hit us before they hit any other part of Europe. 
So naturally, it's going to have a big impact on us. And like everybody knows, our, our weather is so volatile. It changes all the time. And you can never get a full, long, settled spell or yeah. a full, long, unsettled spell. So it's natural that people would be interested in it. Oh, yes, we love it. And that's why you've been talking to me today. Aoife Keeley, thank you so <laughs> no much problem. for joining thank me on you. Late Lunch. Bye Take bye. care now. Bye-bye. That's Aoife Keeley there, uh, meteorologist with Met Erin. So looking good in the short term with a little dribble of moisture as well thrown in there. Stay away from loud meat. Anyway, next up on Late on uh, LMFM Radio is Eddie Caffrey with The Drive. Stay with us. We'll be back with Thursday's Late Lunch from 1.30. Have a lovely evening. We'll see you then. And we're leaving you with Dua Lipa. I nearly forgot to mention her. She'd kill me if I didn't give her a shout out. It's Dua Lipa on Late Lunch. <laughs>